Good morning. morning. Great to see all of you here. It's always good when I get back up here after I've done the the welcoming in the morning to get back when it's time for the sermon and to see more faces because it always happens and it's always a good sign when we see more faces in the audience. So we're thrilled you're here. Thank you so much for being a part of our service. Have you had too much to eat yet? We still have a couple of more days of holiday season among us. Uh, uh, There's still a football game or two left, even though Michigan... Amen, yes. Amen. And Oklahoma, amen, yes. Uh, but Roll Tide, I, I know I'm not in Alabama, but they, they played pretty well last night. Uh, it'll be interesting. But there's a lot more left to celebrate. The most important thing to celebrate is Jesus. Amen? Amen. 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 That's the most important thing. You'll notice there's no PowerPoint. You're just going to have to look at me. <laughs> and hopefully not be too distracted. Because I want to share a message with you this morning, literally, where we talked just a few minutes about planning ahead for next year. And you may be thinking, wow, another sermon on uh, New Year's resolutions. And in a sense, it is, but in a bigger sense, it is not. Because I'm not really going to talk so much about the New Year's resolutions that you may want to set. I have to amen Brother Jason. He commented in class that one of the resolutions that many of us make is that we try to lose weight. Robert asked me this morning, are you losing weight? And I said, no, I'm just buying bigger clothes. (laughs) And I look better in the bigger clothes. That's all. You know, I got room in this jacket. It's like a 44 or something. I don't know what it is. But uh, amen. Yes. I I heard a fellow say years ago, he said, you know, all all real men should wear pants that are like 38 or 40. And I'm like, amen. You're you're doing this to me. Okay. Uh, but, But, you know, we all have resolutions that we think about. The psalmist lays out some really cool stuff. And there's a verse in Proverbs I want to look at. And then I want to look at the words of Jesus a few minutes with you this morning. And and just spend a minute reflecting upon where we should begin. If we're going to make any resolutions, where do you begin? Because I don't feel like I'm qualified to stand before you and encourage you in any real way as to what kind of resolutions you need to make for your own personal life. Because guess what? It's your life. And I may have things that I want to do. I may have things that I don't want to do this year. I may have great aspirations for one part of my life and other aspirations that I've decided I don't want to run down that rabbit trail anymore. But the thing that I do feel like we could share together this morning is where we all need to begin. And I believe that comes at the foot of the cross. With all of my heart, I believe that this is the place and this is where we need to let ourselves die. And I know that sounds a little strange to you because in a sense, all of us who have been baptized into Christ, we die to Christ. But there's also another sense in which the Apostle Paul has asked us and encouraged us to continue to die to ourselves. So let this be that day when you decide again to recommit your life to Jesus and to recommit all that you do and whatever those aspirations are, whatever those resolutions are that you choose to make, let this be the day that you choose to lay them at the cross. The verse in Psalm chapter 5, let me read verses 1 to 3 for you again, just to refresh your minds. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my sighing. Listen to my cry for help, my King and my God. For you, to you I pray. In the morning, O Lord, hear my voice. In the morning I lay my request before you and wait in expectation. Have any of you ever waited in expectation for something God was asked to do by you? I think all of us have at some time or another, whether it's been something good that was going on in our lives, whether it was something 
challenging, <coughs> sometimes even troubling in our lives. There may be grave illnesses. I mean, you know, we prayed this morning for Malgargana, and she's very sick. Uh, Skeeter's wife is home. I'm praying that the surgery went well. This is the second time. It's got to be the second time is charm, not the third time. Um, I, I'll share with you this morning. I got a phone call yesterday morning from very, very dear lifelong friends of my family's back in Alabama. D.C. Hammonds passed away yesterday. Well, actually, the night before last in his sleep. Very peacefully passed away in his sleep. He was only 89. Not bad, eh? Not bad. 89 years old. Faithful brother in Christ. Served as elders and deacons and encouraged me. His, uh, his uh, comments to me when I was in like the 10th or 11th grade is, now understand, I'm going to quote him, but you can't quote him. Because he used to call me Eddie. But he came up to me one Sunday. I'd given some talk at church. I don't even remember what it was, but he came up to me after church. He said, Eddie, he said, you need to preach someday. And I'm like, yeah, right. And here we are, 50 years later almost, and I'm here preaching, and, and I love what I do. And I'm thankful that his encouraging words to me so many, many years ago had an impact that stuck with me. And I, and I honor him today in sharing this message with you because of encouragement he gave me when I was a very young man still living at home in Alabama. The Proverbs, the writer of Proverbs tells us in chapter 29 and 18, he says, where there's no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. We have to have a dream. We have to have something for which we're seeking and something that we're longing for. Studies have been done, countless numbers of studies have been done by those who are in the health and medicine world, and they find that those who sit around with nothing to do tend to waste away and die quicker than those who have something for which they're living. Can I get an amen on Sunday for that? That's the truth. I am one of those kind of people that I've kind of told my wife, don't ever expect me to truly ever retire. I'm like Ray McPeak. I'm going to go to work when I'm, how old he is. I'm, I'm going to say 78 just for fun because I think he's a little older than that, but I don't remember the year. You'll take it, won't you? You'll take it. KN would take it too, let me tell you. Yeah. But, but none, he's still going to work. I got an uncle that lives in Mansfield, Ohio, Ken Pepper. Ken Pepper is like 82, 83 years old. He's in, been in the uh, office supply business all of his life. He still goes to the office. And they don't even pay him anymore. But he still goes to the office to harass the guys that work there just because. I'm thinking we could get your dad to show up again maybe at Clay Valve and, and spend the afternoon. Oh, you're shaking your head. No, you don't want him around anymore. But I'm kind of one of those guys I probably won't retire. Because I can't imagine myself sitting around a boat or wherever it is that I'm at when I'm 78 or 92 or however old I'm in. I am just doing nothing. I can't envision that for me. Now maybe you can, but I can't. And maybe your life is one that you are very happy being more complacent. But even if we are complacent kind of sitting around, there's something inside of us that should be calling us and longing us and drawing us to do something more with our lives. Whatever that is. And I know those of us who are those who may be younger and have more energy and more vitality in life may be able to do some things that those that are older may not be able to do. And I don't want to compare you with someone else. That's not what this is about. But I challenge you and I encourage you to find something in your life that you can give to God. And then you can go for. And you can run after and you can chase and you can have a dream and you can have a vision that will allow you to go places maybe that you never thought you could go. But God helps you get there. That's powerful if we'll let God take us to those places. 
So what expectations and visions for your life do you have? That's really the question that I would ask for you. What do you have? There are a couple of stories that Jesus shares in the book of Luke, in the gospel of Luke, that I want to bring to your attention because I think they lend themselves very well to this whole idea of looking and planning and seeing what we're going to do with our lives. The first one comes from Luke, the 14th chapter, beginning in verse 25. The writer says this, large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them, Jesus says this, if anyone would come to me and doesn't hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And anyone who doesn't carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? Now, this is the important part. Listen to this carefully. For if he lays the foundation and is not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule him, saying, this fellow began to build and was not able to finish. And so as you begin to look at your life, reflecting on what happened in 18, looking forward to 2019, I want you to think carefully about the resources that you have or that you might expect to have. And as you begin to make plans ahead for your year, Think about what God has given you, the provisions He's given you. Can He provide you with all things? In one way, He can. The Bible says, I can do all things through Christ, who what? Strengthens me. Paul said that God is able to supply all of your needs so that all that you may ever have, He could supply that for you. It's not a guarantee. It says He may be able to. And the reason it's not an absolute guarantee is because sometimes you and I have these wonderful, wild, uh, imaginative things that we want to do, and God is like, you want to do what? And he may not bless some of those kinds of things because it's like, you want to do what? But I want us to realize that if, if God is there, we have to be responsible enough to sit down and really look at the resources that we have on hand and make the best use of those resources so that as we begin that project, as we begin reaching to that goal, as we begin reaching out to that which we believe God has called us to do, we can complete it. Because a half-finished house is not very fun to live in. It just isn't. And a half-finished project isn't one that you can take a lot of pride in. And so whatever it is that God has puts, on, puts on your heart this year, make sure you look at it with an intent to finish. The story goes on, same chapter, next verse. Jesus says, or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Will he not first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? And if he isn't able, he'll send a delegation while the other is still a long ways off. And he'll ask for terms of peace in the same way. Any of you who doesn't give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, Jesus says, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's neither fit for the soil nor for the manure pile. It's thrown out. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Interesting parable. A very interesting parable. Because Jesus encourages us to look at whatever it is that's out there in front of us. Some of us have challenges before us this year, don't we? That's the reality of it. We, we've alluded to it in class a few times on Sunday morning. Jason has very, uh, uh, very clearly made us aware of some of the challenges that we have at this church. One of those challenges being simply the cost of this building and the, and the debt that we carry here. The $2.1 million. I did some math while I was sitting in class this morning. Just for fun. We normally have about 185 people 
on Sunday morning. We might be down just a little bit today because it's a holiday weekend. We got a few people that are traveling and some that are homesick. Coberto, by the way, called me this morning and said I can't come because his throat's sore. He didn't want to share his sickness with you. We have some others that are out of town, but typically we have about 185 people. Do you know if you take $2.1 million and divide it by 185 people, it's only $11,000 and some change per person. That's not bad. That's not too bad. Now I know some of you, the Acosta family, I'm thinking of specifically, have many children in the family and many folks in that family. Who, hey, you're not off the hook either. They're for you, Jason, okay? <laughs> but if you just take it by the family and just take, okay, if my family committed $11,000 per person in the next, say, three to five years and just contributed an extra $11,000 per person in the next three to five years, guess where we would be in five years? Debt-free. Wouldn't that be exciting? Is that achievable? Is that attainable? Some of you could write a check today for the 22,000. Some of you husbands and wives or couples, you could write a check for 22 grand and be done with it. Now, those of you who are visiting, who are guests today, or special guests, if you're considering placing membership here, it's not a prerequisite to be a member that you'll commit to 11,000. I'm, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. But I just want you to think about the possibilities. It's only 11,000 per person. Look, the national debt's way worse than that. It's way worse than that per person. It's more like $35,000, $40,000 per person. So we're giving you a good deal to be a part of this church. It's a good deal. I'm joking, I'm being facetious, but at the same time, I'm, almost, I'm really kind of being a little bit serious with you. It's not a huge, insurmountable number when you break it down and look at what possibilities really are. And so, you know what? If we come to you in a few weeks or a few months and say, hey, we're going to have a capital campaign, and would you be willing to commit X number of dollars over the next five years to reduce the debt? That might be something that would work for us because it's not an insurmountable number. And some of you could give way more than 11000 per person just because that's how God has blessed us. But I want you to think as you look toward this next year that whatever it is that God gives you to do, realize there may be challenges that face you. And just because there's a challenge there doesn't mean it's not, it's not insurmountable. It is possible to overcome things. Jesus said if you say to that mountain to be cast in the sea, it could be done. Did he not? That's kind of an insurmountable, kind of a miraculous kind of thing. But Jesus said sometimes when you say to the mountain, be cast into the sea, it will be done. I don't know what your mountain is you got to climb. You do. But understand that if we honor the teachings of Jesus, we will spend some time evaluating the circumstances in which we find ourselves. And we'll make better decisions. And we'll not just jump off and just quick knee-jerk reaction to some situation, go off and do something without seriously considering the costs. There's another story that I like, and I know you know the story very, very well. It's called the story of the prodigal son, the parable of the lost son, if you want to look in the, King, in the NIV. But the story of the prodigal son is a very interesting story. I'm not going to take the time to read the entirety of the story, but I want to just remind you what happened. There are two, two young men in this story that are of prime importance. The young son who asks for his father's inheritance and he runs away, the other who stays home. You remember the two guys, right? 
The one who asks for the inheritance takes his money and he runs off and he goes and he squanders it and he blows it and he spends it all and he wakes up in the middle of a pig pen one day and he's like, wow, I can't believe I've done this to myself. I am so stupid. Now, he didn't exactly say that in the text, but it implies it because he's done something rather foolish because he has basically blown his inheritance. And he finds himself feeding pigs, which is not exactly what a good young Jewish young man would want to be doing with his life because they don't eat pork. Why would they need to raise them or feed them? So he finds himself in a very uncomfortable position because he made some really bad choices. He had a dream. He had a vision. I'm going to take all my money and go away. And I'm going to do some wild and crazy stuff. And he did. But it didn't work out very well for him. So he comes home. Father sees him coming home, runs to grab him, throws a party. The older son comes home. He's very upset that this party is going on. And he makes a few comments to his dad about, look, man, I've been around here all my life. I've never left you. I didn't take off and run off. And I didn't go spend all your money. And yet you've never done anything for me. And the father made this statement. He said, look, your brother has come home. He was once dead, but now he is alive. And the thing that hit me as I was thinking about this message this morning and that story is that the only way he became alive again is when he chose to die again. Because he came back and he gave himself to the Father. And that's really what this is about. It's about letting this day be the day when you and I make a decision again to come to God first. Before we do anything else, before we make any other plans, whatever they may be for the year, before we do anything else, let this be the day that you choose to die. Occasionally there's a song that comes out on the radio that I like. It's a young lady by the name of Lauren Daigle. She did a song recently called Once and for All, or Once for All. And it's worthy of a little bit of time. In my time, I thought I put some pictures to this song. But I want you to listen carefully to the words of this song as they play because it gives us a reason and an understanding of why. Why? We might want to let this be the day that we decide to die. My Lord with thee 
you hear my voice in the morning I lay my request before you and wait expectantly see I'm not sure that God has a priority list as to what should be your New Year's resolution maybe it is wait maybe it's more time in the word maybe it's prayer every day maybe it's sharing Jesus with others maybe it's just giving a cup of cold water to one of his small children in his name. But whatever it is that God has put on your heart, may the first thing that you do be to die. Die to yourself and live for Christ. Because I don't think any of the rest of it matters if we don't start with that as the foundation upon which we will build anything this year. So this morning, before the sermon, I had Brandon lead a song, Just As I Am. And after the sermon, we're going to sing just the traditional Just As I Am, not with the extra refrain. And as we sing this song, I invite you to consider your heart and your life today. And I invite you to allow yourself to come to God just as you are today and to let him take you and all of your hopes and dreams and give you what you expectantly are looking for after you've given him your life. We can encourage you in any way in prayer, Make Jesus the Lord of your life to be a part of this family. I invite you to come. Most importantly, though, as we stand and sing this song, I invite you to think of these words and give your heart again to Jesus. Let's stand and sing. Brandon, come with us. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. And that thou bidst me come to thee. 